0: like you said I mean a lot of people are scared or they're turned off by networking and I think that's partially because there's this idea that it has to be transactional and you're supposed to get something out of it right which can make interactions feel pretty fake or forced
1: yeah.
0: um, and a better way to look at it is that you know to me networking is really about relationship building It's a relationship building process and you need to get to know people. That's essentially the goal of networking. So whether you're a professional or you're a student, you shouldn't begin your conversation with what your needs are, what your wants are like, oh, hi, I'm X, Y, Z, i am XYZ. I study this program. I want a job in this, I do this, I do that. Like, I mean, okay, great. I'm gonna hear what you have to say, but you know, it, it ends up being pretty unremarkable because you end up hearing that same type of conversation probably 30 times in a row, especially at networking events. So, you know, that's what I kind of call a one time take it or leave it offer.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 18 of the Power of Why podcast. My name is Naomi Hailey and today I'm sitting down with the amazing Priscilla Kasim. How are you doing today?
0: Oh, not too bad. I mean I'm doing this podcast with you
1: and it's green yeah. nice and
0: sunny outside, so can't complain, I guess,
1: until oh. I- although it is quite nice outside today. And you have your cats yeah. not running around. We'll see. We'll see. Well well, they're starting to be a little bit active right now, so I chase <laughs> we'll them down in
0: the middle of this city, but so far, so
1: good. None of them are warning. Amazing. Um, so, for some context, before before we dive in, uh, Priscilla is a senior consultant in the areas of risk management, IT enhancement, business process improvement, and internal audit solutions for public and private enterprises. Uh, she is driven and focused on her career while developing, you know, practical solutions and delivering results by you know, having the ability to integrate an IT risk mindset and deep technical um, expertise into each of her client engagements. Uh, Priscilla, I've had my eye on her for a bit. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Before we um, even met, she's quite active on LinkedIn. So, um, And because we both live and um, studied in Ottawa, um, we definitely have mutual connections. So I've been seeing some of her content on LinkedIn. If you're not on LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been seeing some of your stuff online, and I don't know if I told you that the first time I met you, but we were at a networking event a few months ago at the Telford School of Management, mm-hmm. and Michael, actually, was the one who made the introduction, and immediately I was drawn to, you know, your ability to connect with people um, your ability to make people comfortable when talking to you because networking events, I think, for a lot of people can be quite nerve-wracking. Um, in addition, uh, she is the founder of the uh, Carleton University Women in Business organization, um, which basically aims to connect young women of today to become future business leaders of tomorrow. She's a Raptors fan and a woman's advocate. And, you know, yes. the reason that I really wanted to chat with you is, um, was because of all of these reasons right you are focused on your career you're driven you keep in mind how to develop you know professionally and personally and you speak up you speak up and use your voice for what you believe in so i'm so pumped for this for this interview
0: wow you just introduced me probably in the best way
1: anybody has. <laughs> <else. So>. uh, <laughs> <no. laughs> Um, so, can you give us a little bit? If there's anything that I miss, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Your what your origin story is, and you know what came before you um, started on this journey in Ottawa.
0: Oh yeah, well, um, so I was born and raised in Montreal, which is a wonderful place um, where talent constantly bursts from the most unexpected places, and I came. I I came into this world really wanting to explore it and discover it. Um, My mom is super keen. She's a keen believer of personal growth. So, you know, you constantly have to keep learning and keep grabbing that knowledge. And she put me in an insurmountable number of sports and music programs, um, which I, you know, followed through for the better part of my life. And, through all of that, you know, passion and rigor and hard work kind of became my motto in life. And I remember one of my teachers once described me as being meticulous and a perfectionist. And I really believe that my meticulousness and my perfectionism enabled me to really see and feel the world around me. And that included the suffering of people and the inequalities that are so prevalent, especially mm-hmm. in the workforce. Yep. You know, I have personally seen it, I've heard it, and I've experienced it. And so while in university, I saw an opportunity to start solving those issues. Um, and so I began hitting the books and the web, and I started up conversations with people, my peers, people in my community, and. I really got myself well informed on the issues of discrimination and inequality and why they mattered personally and in the workforce and in everyday life. And I really set myself up to try and resolve those issues with all the hope and excitement of someone just starting out. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I still, even today, I'll advocate and I'll inform others as you know, that's really the best way to make people aware. It's really just advocating and informing them. And that's how you'll create change and describe, like really disrupt today's culture and the status quo. So I guess that's what led me to where I am today, what I'm doing today, and hopefully where I'd like to end up in the Mm -hmm. future.
1: Yeah, I love that. And, you know, in our first conversation, we met over coffee and it's interesting talking about this subject, you know, around women of color and how you navigate, you know, the professional work world. Um, these are things, these are issues, these are experiences that a lot of mm. us, you know, as women of color can relate to, but maybe sometimes sometimes. Don't know how to express in the workforce, um, but also like how we connect with other people who um, have navigated this, right? Maybe people who are like 20, 30 years in their career as women of color who are doing really well, what are some of the things that um, that they've learned along their journey? because a lot of it is stuff that is very, I think, difficult to talk about, but it's something that you've kind of navigated without. Hmm. You kind of learned as you, as you went along, right? So yeah. I'm curious, Priscilla, like as someone who works in consulting, um, you work a lot with clients. Um, you, What has been the navigation process for you entering this space? Oh, well, you know,
0: people who are just starting out and, you know, Building those relationships and navigating in the personal world, you know, you're in you're inundated with career advice. And the reality is much of it is conflicting. And I know it was for me. I mean, you're told to be regimented about your career development plan, but not to over-engineer it. Yeah. You know, to make close friends at work. But you know, you need to maintain separation and this idea of work-life balance. So you know, in today's business environment and where companies are becoming increasingly matrixed, um, you know, there's no longer that top to bottom. It's it's all of these matrices where everybody's interacting at all these different levels. It's really hard to tell which way is up. And so, you know, there's all these different measurements of success. And I think it's whatever feels right for you, um, you know, for some people, it's the size of their paycheck. Others, it's you know becoming uh, part of management. Others, it's getting a promotion or you know being able to head home in time to spend quality time with your family. Um, so you know, I don't have all the answers to that, but to me, being able to navigate in the professional world was through mentorship and networking and research and you know the five years of on-the-job experience that I've accumulated has started at least to help me navigate through um, how I manage my career. Mm -hmm. And it's also the people, the people are so important. I mean, I can't overemphasize the power of people to help you get to where you want to go. So, you know, if you're feeling stuck, whether you're just starting out and not sure what you want to do next or you know, you're in a job or, or a career path that's just not doing it for you, then you need to start reaching out to people you know or even people that you don't know who have jobs that sound even semi-interesting and ask them about their lives, mm-hmm. you know? Um, ask them, you know, to... uh to have them as a mentor or to shadow them for a day. A lot of professionals are very open to that idea and you'll see that you'll learn so much more than, you know, you could by just doing a Google search mm-hmm. and it can help you decide on those new avenues you might want to explore. You know, for myself, when I was in college, um, I had this passive, Uh, going into neuroscience and then that shifted to oh wait you know what I'm interested in accounting and you know tax and then university was oh tax law and now I seem to be in technology and consulting so Mm -hmm. my path has shifted so many times and it was mostly because of the people that I met and I networked with and I learned about those careers that were not known to me I mean consulting if you would have asked me (laughs) what it was it wasn't an option path that you learned about in university or that was well aware of right Yep. it's really important to network and to talk to people because you know when I was in university in my education I was in accounting it was tax audit and insurance I mean those were the pathways that are well known that are that are, you know, the natural pathways to take. And, you know, all these other pathways are not known unless you really discuss with people um, about their careers and their professions and you kind of get that insight and, you know, and the only way to do that is by, you know, asking, like I said, um, to shadow them for a day or to have them as a mentor or even just ask for an internship. So there's different opportunities, and it's really putting yourself out there and networking and talking to people and really getting to know them that you'll be able to achieve that. Mm
1: -hmm. I love that, Priscilla, because it's it's crazy. Um, Consulting, not like most of the people in that space say they just fell into it. You know, they didn't know about they didn't even know this was a career option, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I think some of the things that universities. You know, some of the, you know, roles and responsibilities of the university is to shine light on those maybe hidden or unconventional career paths. And so, you know, specifically at the Telford School, they started a professional management consulting program for students to learn more about this, but also bring in. Oh, yeah, so in my third year, I I joined the first cohort ever for that program, but what made it really great was that they brought in consultants who were you know just starting out, so like maybe had two three years of experience all the way up to partners, and we had the chance to meet them, learn about what they did, like um, do presentations in front of them, get feedback. And so everyone who joined that program had no idea what consulting was, you know, as is and most of them about, I think, 80 percent in the first cohort actually became consultants and took that as a viable career option. But what I, I'd like to really highlight what you said about you're never going to know until you sit down with people in various industries across various disciplines about what it's really like to work there, you know, mm-hmm. to work as you know, a finance professional or as an accountant. I studied finance um, in school, thinking that that's something that I wanted to do to continue and pursue. But then as I started meeting more finance professionals, I was like, this is not, I don't, I don't know if I would actually do well or enjoy and thrive in this space. But mm. that couldn't have happened um, strictly by me researching online, right? It requires you to connect with different people. Can you talk a little bit about your, how you approach Um, you know, relationship building, how you approach networking events. Um, I know for a fact, Priscilla, you do not see these as transactional sorts of relationships, right? Like Mm -hmm. a lot of people do. It's like, oh, how can I meet 30 people tonight? Um, But rather you take the, I'm going to connect with like two, three, four people and make those deep connections, right? So I'd really like for you to expand on that.
0: It's like you said, I mean, a lot of people are scared or they're turned off by networking and i think that's partially because there's this idea that it has to be transactional and you're supposed to get something out of it right which can make interactions feel pretty fake or forced yeah um and a better way to look at it is that you know to me networking is really about relationship building it's a relationship building process and you need to get to know people that's essentially the goal of networking. So, whether you're a professional or you're a student, you shouldn't begin your conversation with what your needs are, what your wants are like, oh, hi, I'm XYZ, I study this program, I want a job in this, I do this, I do that. Like, I mean, okay, great, I'm going to hear what you have to say, but you know, it, it ends up being pretty unremarkable because you end up hearing that same. Type of conversation probably 30 times in a row especially at networking events so you know that's what I kind of call a one-time take-it-or-leave-it offer right Mm -hmm. so think about it this way are you more comfortable asking your friends for a favor or a total stranger Um, and I mean for me many of my professional contacts have become close friends over the years Mm -hmm. I mean I'll text them about, you know, oh, how's your daughter's recital? um You know, or come on over. I'm making, you know, chicken uh, with, <laughs> you know, I have some beer and some wine. Come on over, you know. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, we'll sit down. We'll, we'll have a good time. Or let's go for a bike ride. You know, I remember that you do a lot of bike rides. I clearly suck at it, but I don't mind going along with you. <laughs> you know, on, on that topic, my best advice is, just fully avoid talking shop, you know, especially over bad Chardonnay, um, (laughs) (laughs) till at least your third or even fourth encounter. Um, You know, instead, especially when you first meet someone, try to poke about who they are, what they enjoy doing and find something in common to bond over. Remember, most people really enjoy talking about themselves. And it's important to give them that opportunity and then see where you guys click because it's all about making connections and it's all about establishing that and, you know, network in a way that makes you comfortable. I think that's key because if you're not comfortable, I can guarantee you that the person you're networking with isn't either. So Mm -hmm. You know, if you go up to somebody and you're you're stumbling on your words and and you're shaking and your sentences are malformed and you know you're really just trying to get a job out of it and just kind of throwing words that you think that they want to hear, people can tell time? It, it goes over your head. Yeah, you know? it's it's not something that people want to hear. Um, they really want to create connections because keep in mind that if you do end up going to work at that company they want to create a bond because that bond is how you get to keep your employees on a long-term basis and you end up working with them day in day out they become basically your family so if you're going to become family with somebody you want to bond with them you want to connect with them Mm -hmm. so think about that when you first start networking is to create those relationships and not that transactional feel of give me what I want and I might give you something back in return.
1: Interesting. And uh, Priscilla, do you remember when we uh, went for coffee, you mentioned that story of, you know, attending a networking event and seeing these two um, older people kind of sitting aside. Um, And you started this conversation about wine, but I think um, it really kind of showcases your answer um, in a really great way. So if you don't mind sharing that. Yeah, I mean, so
0: it was actually at the Telfer Connect and, um, I saw these, uh, two professionals just kind of talking aside on the side and, uh, you know, a lot of people were coming through. I could kind of hear them talking about their professional careers and what they were looking for. And, you know, you could kind of see very clearly that they were uninterested by it. And uh, I had noticed them a lot going to the bar and getting some wine. So, you know, I just kind of got myself a wine too, since I love wine. And I went up to them and started a conversation about wine. And, you know, I am an avid wine drinker. I, I love all kinds of wines. I love visiting wineries. It's, it's definitely, I, I wouldn't say a passion, but it's, it's definitely a very interesting field. And we ended up talking about it and we, found something to bond over so we ended up talking about wine and um you know one of them mentioned their grandmother is making her own wine at home and then we kind of moved into oh well where are you from okay you're from italy okay so sausage making you know tomato sauce making oh what recipes and we moved into more of a bonding experience and conversation experience and we probably talked about wine and food for about four hours during that event. We were actually the last ones leaving. They had to kick us out. Wow. And, uh, we've been following up on those conversations up until today. We found out that we work in um opposing um, uh, buildings, So, you know, we get to see each other at the Starbucks uh, near the office and talk to each other here and there. And we, you know, we've been texting and keeping in contact and that created a professional bond. And I think now it's been gosh a few months since that event and i just now started to talk about oh so you know let's say your company is interested in ai they're starting to dabble in the field great well we have knowledge we have you know um a lot of contacts in it we're able to deploy it and to analyze it and we have great contractors in the field like let's talk about it and see where it could go Mm -hmm. so it's all about developing that relationship because you want to go into business with someone that you connect with but more importantly somebody that you trust yeah and that's important and you know you know that you're not going to give bad advice to your friend so it's the same context that when you develop those relationships you know that your friend is not going to give you bad advice Mm -hmm. and they're not going to recommend you something that would hinder your career or your business. Right. I think that's, it's all connected. It's all important to, um, to understand and to establish. And it takes a lot of practice. It's not something that's innate, but that's why my recommendation is always be yourself and be comfortable. Really just talk as if you would talk to your friend and if you click, you click and sometimes you don't click and that's okay too. But as long as you're true to yourself, that's what's most important.
1: I, I love how you talk about the human connection, right? Because at the end of the day, like when, especially when I talk to people who are like um, just like you and like well established in their career, who have been working for like over 30 years, they say, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather do business with people that I, enjoy doing business with, right? And a lot of them get into business with their friends with um colleagues that they really enjoy being around because the technical can be learned, right? But you can't teach character and you know the ability to kind of get along and that human connection. So um this is an interesting perspective to to have and carry with you as you continue to develop in your career, right? So um that's something that I've definitely definitely <clears throat> taken at the forefront, you know, especially while a student and especially starting out my career' it's a, a non stressful <laughs> stressful way to develop right We're all human beings at the end of the day, and I think sometimes we forget that, mm-hmm. um, especially with uh, technology and having like digital connections, digital relationships but um, Priscilla in your how have you like appreciated mentorship and sponsorship in your own career? Uh, you brought up uh, mentorship earlier on, um, but I'd love for you to talk about both and how um, people starting out can approach these two things
0: Oh yeah, well, I have so appreciated the mentors in my life. They have brought me a fresh perspective as they really so they don't carry your emotional baggage and they can remain above the fray so they can look at your situation as if it were you know a slice of time and they can help you see it without bias yeah. and I think everyone has a mentor in some shape or form in their life I mean my very first mentor was my mother um she is always, oh yeah well she she's always helped me to step back and to think through my roadmap before I veered off course. And, you know, she's helped me examine my own way of thinking. And she really ensured that my assumptions are, they're just not unfounded, right? So I think it's important to have those people in your life and to You know, make sure that you have that right kind of support and, you know, and it's important to reciprocate it as well. Like I, myself, I have been a mentor um, to to many people and even to my friends and to new recruits or to professionals um, on social media sites like LinkedIn. Um, So I think it's important to seek help in your career, but also to respond to it when being seeked.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. And do you have um, – it's, it's interesting, and I'll share this. We went to um, an event, like a networking event, kind of like a conference, actually, in in Atlanta, Georgia, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And um, there were a lot of people – so Sam and I went. Sam is my co-founder for Find Your Tribe. We both attended. Um, it was 2,500 uh, people of color in attendance and speakers from across the U.S., across North America. And what we notice consistently was, you know, most of these speakers, most of these um, people who have gone on to build incredible organization, incredible teams, all know each other. And what goes even, what amazed me the most is not that they met, you know, a year ago as they were already kind of established or at these points in their life, they've known each other for years, They knew each other before they even, quote unquote, made it. And that really um, amazed me and showed me the power of peer mentorship too, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's these people who 10 years ago um, started on their journey to create, to uh, make art in whatever form, um, to build. And they were building with each other. They were building with their friends. They were building with the people that they enjoyed building with. They were building with um, folks that they had a connection with. And then when you see them taking stages today all together, they were sharing stories about what it was like starting out. And I'm like, wow, these people have known each other for like seven, eight, nine years? Um, And that really, really amazed me. So this whole Uh, mentorship thing from the perspective of, yes, I'm learning from people more experienced, but also from my peers. Um, Can you speak to that and maybe um, anything that you've sort of noticed um, on your journey too around peer mentorship?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, so you bring up a good point and it reminds me of even a recent event. So usually what I like to do if I'm going to an event that, you know, I'd like to meet certain people in it, and I'd like to connect people. Um, I think especially when you're a little bit more established, what I end up doing is that I'll invite people that, you know, I'm very well connected to, I've gotten to know them, they're somewhat even my mentors, to those events to come join me and tell them, you know, this is a great event, Uh, we'll be networking with X, Y, Z people and it'll be a great opportunity even for yourself. So that way when you get to those events, you kind of have your tribe with you that help you connect with other people. And you'll connect with somebody and you'll see your friend across the hall and say, Oh, you know what? Like, I think that you guys would hit it off. Like they, I've heard that, you know, this person is doing, you know, X, Y, Z and it can help your company in X, Y, Z manner. So." It'll be a good connection for you guys to meet. Let me create that introduction. So, it is really good to kind of place yourself in those events, and you'll notice that with time, by getting to know a lot of people, you'll see those familiar faces at those events, whether you invite them or not. And, you know, with them talking to other people or you talking to other people, and again, by having those relationships, you kind of become the first person on their mind. So, Um, You know, for me, uh, as a recent example as well, uh, so LeMay AI is an AI company that's truly growing uh, in the industry of Ottawa. And him and I have become very well connected. You know, we've developed a friendship. And so every time I meet someone um, that is looking for Deployment or advice, or you know, is just curious about the world of AI. He is the first person that jumps to mind, and Mm -hmm. I'll suggest him and say, You know what? Uh, Let me create an introduction. I think that you know, his products or this and that could really benefit your enterprise. And so, it's really through those relationships that you become the first person, or at least one of the few first people, on someone else's mind when they're connecting with you know with people in their environment so it it all goes back to that relationship building and it is so important especially in the business world where you're trying to sell yourself a product or a service
1: i agree and to be top of mind when it comes to your expertise and and what you have to offer says a lot about first that relationship that you built with that person right Mm -hmm. and There's no way I'm referring people that um, (laughs) I don't get along with or um, have not taken, like, we have both not taken that step forward to, you know, build a connection more on a personal level. There's no way that's happening. I can't harp on that enough. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Um, harp away. It's a very important topic that I think is pretty essential. And, you know, people are, are, I think are starting to understand it. Uh, you start to understand it more and more that you get into your career, but it is really important to get that, you know, that standard up in front from when you start networking and to get that understanding. And I mean, like I said, I've seen it so many times at networking events where, you know, people just try to sell themselves and just all about themselves at that first interaction when that's not necessarily what you want to do at a networking event Um, when you're trying to establish those relationships and you're trying to um, establish that long term connection. You just don't want that one time, you know, transaction of a hit or miss. And then if it's a miss, well, then, you know, there might not be that chance again
1: to recover for sure. And so, in those, I mean, you showed examples of, of what those first interactions kind of look like for you at networking events or when you meet someone for the first time. Um, lots of asking questions, lots of listening. I've noticed. Um, is there anything else that you could, um, you know, pull out from those first interactions that you've had?
0: So I think it's important to ask questions. Um, never be afraid to ask questions, but also. Like you said, to just listen to what the result is and to try to create those bonding points that you can develop on. And you'll see that your comfort level will rise. And, you know, if you don't necessarily feel comfortable, especially I guess when people start out, um, they don't necessarily feel the most comfortable going and networking alone. Well, you know, bring a friend and make sure that you feed off of each other, that it's not just your friend making all of the conversation but you know create that um comfortable environment for you to um thrive in and you know sometimes it is with the help of a friend that you can do that so you know in my case sometimes it is a mentor if it's in a field that is more um more you know their um thriving area than it is mine sometimes i'll invite them and say hey so you know this is more of you know, your, your play environment, uh, can you help me kind of create those connections and get to know people and to understand it a little bit better? And, you know, by having those long-term connections, they'll so be very open to doing that, right? Mm. I,
1: I, I like that a lot. Um, it's It's funny, Sam and I started attending a lot of networking events together as we build this community for women of color. And we've noticed how how much that actually works, you know? Yeah. And I think it, because we're kind of on the same wavelength and um, we know what we're working towards. <clears throat> and I think it works better also if you have, like, a connection with the person. But mm-hmm. kind of play off of each other and we support each other in conversation. It's like, oh, you know, Sam may be better suited to answer that question, and we go back and forth. And um, I think it's definitely the synergies have made us stronger in developing those connections with people um, in different fields. I definitely mm-hmm. see that for sure. At the beginning, we, uh, I mentioned a little bit about how you're an advocate for women um, and women of color. Um, I would really love for you to talk about your experiences navigating the workforce as a woman of color and what that's been like, and maybe how that's, if it has, how that's changed. Um, from when you first you know were a recent grad, and then and then now on your journey.
0: Yeah, well, i I mean, women of color, you know, we've been advocating for fairness and social justice and equality for the longest of times. It's not anything new. And I think that you know our voices are just taking longer to be heard. Um, but, you know, make no mistake. We are rising. We are thriving. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I think everybody has an opportunity to be a silence breaker. And, you know, I'll tell you how I became one. And it really started in university. Um, You know, I had an epiphany. And I realized that there was a bigger world out there. And I was going to become something more. And I knew my You know, my mom and my grandmother have, they never had the chance to really follow their dreams. And I was determined to find my place in this bigger world using the only tool I really had on my side. And to me, that was always my education. Mm -hmm. So, you know, fast forward now to my catalyst days and all that. I think I get to contribute thought forward ideas and processes and remediation strategies for clients on, you know, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, audit, cryptocurrency, privacy, risk management, and so many other topics. And I also get to commit my spare time to creating more gender diverse and inclusive workplaces Mm -hmm. is really at the core of what I'm about. And, you know, If you even look at statistics today, like in Canada, women only represent 47% of the workforce. And yet we earn 60% of university degrees. And we control more than 80% of all consumer spending. So to me, that sounds like a whole lot of smart women with a tremendous amount of influence. But if you look at the statistics, only 3% of CEOs in corporate Canada are women. Yeah. forget even trying to count the number of CEOs who are women of color. You know, so there's this unfortunate and precious few that are representing the mass. And it can really have a significant impact on, you know, our well-being and our productivity. And it can really impact, you know, your your ability to fully contribute to work by reducing your sense of psychological safety and i felt that way i've i've been through that and i think like many aspects of experiences of underrepresented groups you know the roots of these challenges are pretty much archaic and it's and they're insidious and they're really tough to tackle and i've seen that I've I've experienced that, and I still experience it today. And I think achieving gender balance and ensuring women of color have an equal chance to lead requires us to change and disrupt the current culture. And so, I, you know, how can we? Well, honestly, I think it's just by listening. You know, our experience needs to be validated. I know my experience needs to be validated and you know we need to be open and you know listen and really think about what you just heard and trust me people's awareness and understanding will grow and really when they change they end up changing the cultures around them and you know they can really help employers understand the very real challenges that exist for their coworkers of color
1: yes.
0: and create the space to address those challenges. So that's what I kind of like to call the disruptive domino effect that most companies need and require. And I'd probably say unfortunately from when I started in university, not much has changed. But you know, there are some really good um, people out there that are advocating for it and kind of helping companies to create that change. And one of the people that I have in mind, her name is Caroline Katsi, and um, she's in charge. Uh, she founded La Gouvernance aux which okay. created a certificate to ensure companies have parity in their organization and especially in management and above positions. And that has been recognized by the Prime Minister of Canada. And I think it's important, you know, that's just one, you know, company, one person creating that change. I'm thinking, you know, of Q, I'm thinking of all these different companies that are trying to create that change, to build a community to disrupt the current culture. And aside from, you know, them and their companies individually we can do that as well it's not a just one person one company job to represent the mass the mass needs to represent the mass and so Mm -hmm. it's important to to do that but you know also to to i guess my non-represent non-underrepresented yeah it's important for them to also support and listen and try to advocate for those that can't aren't necessarily heard or necessarily supported in the right way right so you know I I remember you know just talking on this subject there was this video that I had seen online about you know someone like there was a line of of people and someone telling them oh well if you've experienced you know if if your parents have never divorced, take a step forward. If, you know, uh, you've never struggled with, you know, uh, money problems, take a step forward and you saw, you know, all these different levels of where people were at. And yep. he really explained it in this video. Well, you know, you can start all the way at the back and it's the race of life and, you know, you have to run and You know, take that extra step and take those extra leaps to even just reach where someone else was able to in their life, right? Yep. Yep. So if you're at that forefront, don't just keep going forward. Always make sure to check who's behind you and try to help them reach, you know, that same line that you are and reach that
1: future line
0: where you both can. Yeah.
1: And you know, what's interesting is those things are not mutually exclusive. Like these people who have started, you know I hate using that, like have started at an advantage, but who maybe are not part of underrepresented groups or do not have to face, um, you know, racial discrimination, or whatever, um, they can still move forward while helping people who are part of underrepresented groups, right? That doesn't mean that um, by speaking on behalf of other people whose voices are not necessarily heard takes anything away from you. This is what allyship is, right? Agreed. So I've really become fascinated by, you know, for example, white men's who are at the table, who are comfortable enough you know and confident in themselves to speak on behalf of groups that don't necessarily look like them, and there are so many allies. I remember um, I spoke with one of my mentors and he sa- and I said, "How do I mobilize allies like how do we bring?" People into these more people into these conversations, and he said, "Naomi, there are more allies than you even care to mobilize. Like there are so many more that um, are are speaking on behalf, who are at the table, and and want to kind of like inspire or enforce this type of change. They're there. I think we just need to show them how to help, right? Maybe maybe they have the interest to do that, but don't know where to start. And I think having those conversations." Um, you know, one on one can really lead to some really amazing things. Um,
0: so, no, and, and I agree. And I mean, if I'm just thinking of a few of those allies that I was fortunate enough to cross paths with that have, you know, back in the day, really helped develop Qib and support. And they yeah. then also support women in their in their environment. I'm thinking, you know, Derek Abna who's Um, who's now working at D&D, and, you know, Andrew Irvin, who's, um, you know, at BMO, and uh, Darby Sieben, who works at RBC, and Craig um, Gibson, who works at uh, Trend Micro, and all of these male supporters, and there are so many more that I'm probably not thinking of, but all of these male supporters have really helped shape the culture at their enterprise and you know really spoke genuinely about supporting their peers their minority and marginalized peers and I really hate using the word minority but
1: Mm.
0: it it truly what it is and they've created those strides and they talk about it and they speak up about it and they're really great at what they do and I, I think we need more of that and you know, at at my old job, I, I'd say, well, you know, you mentioned him before. Michael Melville was a great supporter and still is a great supporter for women in the workplace and for any inequalities that he sees or hears. And he has a great way of just putting it into perspective and getting that message across because, you know, as it is right now, his voice is more heard or, you know, well, better received than I guess women experiencing the frustrations that are going on in an environment so
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's, it it is about that allyship, and it is very important to include that in the mass to create that disruption of culture
1: mm-hmm. and Priscilla, have you because you're very outspoken, and that's one of my favorite things about you is um is your ability to communicate on issues that you deeply care about, and have you always been like this? Has is this something that you've developed? Um, how have you strengthened, you know, the power of your voice? Because this is something that a lot of people. This is something that I struggled with, right? And it become I sort of came to a point where I needed to get comfortable talking about these really uncomfortable subjects. But Priscilla, how have you strengthened your voice in this area?
0: I mean, I think there's always a level of discomfort when you are talking about this. And you know, everybody has their reasons. I I, I've heard in the past that, you know, someone didn't feel comfortable for to stand up for themselves or to stand up for for a peer in their organization because they were afraid to lose their job and they couldn't lose their job because they have a family to support. And all those reasons are fair in terms of, well, I'm afraid to say something and it, you know, everybody has a reason as to why there's that hesitancy to speak out to it based on how other people are going to interpret it. And I even have that level of discomfort when I do talk about it and it's by continuously talking about it that I've been developing my level of comfort, I wouldn't say it's at a hundred percent, but I've definitely been growing it and I've been less and less afraid to speak up about it even in, um, you know, in my workplace. And, you know, I have I've been in a job where I, you know, I saw perhaps maybe 50 partners in a room and only one of them was a woman and two of them were of, you know, Of color uh, men that were of color and in a room of 50 people and I at that point I wasn't afraid to make the comment of you know there there's something wrong with this picture why aren't there more women as partners why aren't there more people of color you know did did you guys kind of miss those qualifications in your recent in your search of partners I wasn't afraid to (laughs) bring that discomfort that 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 uncomfortable conversation and bring that forward and to really have that discussion with them and you know some of the reasons that they would say didn't really make sense to me as to you know oh well you know there isn't really somebody capable that we've seen so far well i i fairly disagreed because i knew a lot of senior managers that were women that were very capable probably more capable than other senior managers that were up for promotions that were men of you know white men or of even partners. They were more capable than partners. But they were being overlooked um, for for many reasons. And I wouldn't say that it's every organization or it's it's every person. Um, You know, some organization advocate that they are you know all about equality, but it is all about the culture of each one of those offices that are in that organization. It depends who's running it because it is really a top down industry um, where however the culture is at the top, it transcends down to the employee level. So I think it is important that if you're at the employee level and, you know, you don't feel that there is that proper culture, you should push it back up and it is a lot harder to push it downwards, you know, from the bottom up, but it is something that is truly important to do. And, you know, it's not always well received and it might put you in an uncomfortable setting or, you know, quote unquote, put your job at risk, but it isn't something that you should be afraid to speak up about because by speaking up about it, your job is not at risk, no matter what, they try to tell you, no matter how they try to intimidate you, your job is not at risk. Your
1: voice is
0: at risk by not mm. speaking up. But your job is not at risk.
1: These are conversations that are going to continue to happen, right? Mm. So if you can, whatever you're working on, you know, outside of work or at work, if you can, you know, be able to share sort of your experiences with, with allies and continue to do so, um, I think it has a, a ripple effect. I think yeah. people are going to start getting comfortable talking about it who are part of underrepresented groups or who are not because um, it takes a lot of courage, but I think that also inspires other people to make practice that and flex that muscle and, and realize that we are stronger as a collective, as a group speaking on behalf of, um, you know, these issues.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And That's how you change know, happens. Well, there are different methods of approaching it and, you know, creating that empowerment and that voice. And, you know, one way that I've started to do that is, um, you know, I'm starting to write a book of the collection of stories of women and men and, you know, people with disabilities and people from First Nation backgrounds and just to collect all of these different stories and the hardships and how they were able to, um, transcend through those yeah get to where they are today and i really i i'm i'm trying to build this this book and this idea and and really put forward the truths of stories to help people not only relate but understand and maybe create you know continue and create that domino effect and those changes and those disruptions in the culture and You know, there are a bunch of different ways I try to use my LinkedIn platform to do it. I try to, you know, network about it and, um, you know, advocate it when I go to conferences. And I think it's important for everybody to take those different approaches and to find those different opportunities to speak up about it so that other people can listen to it, understand it. And perhaps in the future, even realize it for when it's happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, you know, as a story, um, I had a a manager at one point that, uh, had told me that, uh, um, you know, oh, well I shouldn't get my overtime paid and I should value it as experience. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, that could be fair from a point of view of, you know, oh, well, you know, we came from different backgrounds, you, you know, I understood it from this, from my point of view that, you know, you haven't struggled for, um, you know, to, to get a paycheck. You, you yeah. haven't almost, you know, lost your possessions because, you know, you couldn't make even ends meet at the end of the month. So, you know, I, I think in a way it's fair to tell me to value, it as experience instead of value the money proponent but i'm not going to be working 20 hours extra a week just for the experience i mean if i'm going to work those hours i should be compensated for it because you know at the end of the day i need it to survive versus need it for experience and i i think I think it's really understanding, taking the time to understand it. And it is harder to understand when you haven't gone through certain challenges in your life, whether it's, you know, financial difficulties or, um, you know, uh, minority uh, being faced with those challenges of not being heard in a, in a men only setting, like there, there are a lot of Different settings, having a disability, and not being heard about it in a workforce, and people not understanding it, and those are not things that should be disclosed. I'm not saying that that's the first thing that you should mention is that oh, well, I've gone through this, so I need to have this. Like, but it is conversations that you know you should try to have in the proper moment moments to explain what those struggles are and how you. Overcame them and um, what is fair for you, and to really help other people understand it.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for for sharing that. Um, I know, you know, when it comes to advocating, sometimes you know that could be seen as you may feel that it's risky or um, something that you need to practice or develop. Um, As we come to like close to the end of the um, episode um, Priscilla I'd really love for you to talk about you know uh, a resource something that has helped you recently uh, a book podcast or someone that you connected with that really changed your kind of change your perspective or um, has helped you when it comes to development personal and professional
0: oh wow so I recently got google home and um I- <laughs> Yes, yes. Recently, so I, I set it up, and there's this really cool function. I, I know I'm technology person learning about technology, but yeah. um, I recently set up uh, some daily podcasts. So there's these snippet options okay. um, that I listen to basically every day on my way to work. I say, "Hey Google, I'm going to work," and it you know, goes through my schedule and tells me traffic and weather, and then it goes straight into the podcast. And, mm. you know, I've, I've scheduled a few of them like CTV news and TechCrunch and CNBC tech check and cybersecurity today. And, you know, Bloomberg, there's the first world, uh, first word Bloomberg, uh, the New York times. And, you know, they, they've, they give you nice little snippets of information and of what's going on just today. Um, and, and I've been fairly enjoying them, but I think in general, there are some podcasts that I honestly, I really do recommend. There's some of my favorite ones and um, they include the national security law today um, for anything uh, politically related that you'd like to know. A lot of it is us related. Um, I like to listen to women for Nurse success, which okay. is from Hamida Singh. Um, it's about all kinds of adversities that women are undertaking. And there's defense security podcast by Jerry Bell. So that's all about, you know, security and what's going on in cyber and all of that. And it's pretty interesting. And it tells you like up to date events and uh, what they're doing to tackle them. And same thing for security now and uh, the bad crypto podcast by uh, by Joel and Travis. Those are two others that talk about um, security and Um, what's going on in those certain words and oh and the cyber wire so uh, those are some pretty interesting podcasts that I absolutely adore Um, I listen to any new um, posts that they do and they have some very interesting concepts so obviously concepts that I uh, quite relate to Yeah, and Um, and I think in terms of so you said book um, so I wouldn't say that there's a a favorite book that comes to mind, but a book that I'm reading right now is called The Whiteboard Selling. Um, It's by Corey Summers and David Jenkins. And I think it's a great book um, for anyone in sales or in marketing who uh, really wants to understand how to present and effectively deliver their ideas and engage their target audience and, you know, and, and win, win, uh, win a business. So I, I think it's a, it's quite an interesting book of uh, of how to put that together and how to kind of sell um, your product or service or yourself in thirty seconds and less. Ooh, whiteboard selling! Whiteboard selling, yes, by Corey Summers and David Jenkins.
1: Dope! And um, I love that you're constantly keeping up to date as to what's happening in your industry, right? Like cyber, privacy, tech. Um, oh, you have to. You yeah. have to. It's constantly changing. It's constantly yep. being disrupted. You have to stay up to
0: date or you're out of the game.
1: And I feel like right now with audio, it's made it a lot easier to do so, you know, keep up to date. And there's so many resources that you can expose yourself to online and while you're getting ready in the morning, right, as you do. Oh, yeah. So no excuses. (laughs) excuses.
0: (laughs) People post a lot of very interesting articles on on
1: LinkedIn. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There are some quite interesting ones out there that uh, that you know when whenever you go on it, you kind of just scroll down and you see some interesting facts, and you know some people post even some interesting statuses or stories of what happened and how they dealt with it. So. I think uh, there are some pretty interesting uh, content out there that shouldn't uh, yep. be overlooked, for sure.
1: And the the final question on the power of why podcast is, you know, what's your why, Priscilla? Why? What do you strongly believe that you were meant to do during your time here?
0: Well, I believe that I'm a disruptor. <laughs> Um, I've been put here to disrupt things. Uh, you know, I grab people's phones and I chuck them into a river. Often. <laughs> but, uh, I do constantly question the status quo. Yeah. Like everybody else. I believe that I'm meant to make a difference and I make my time count. And I, you know, I, I think I do that by setting goals and you know, whenever I reach one goal, I always strive to reach the next one. So I, I I constantly try to disrupt, um, you know, everything around me, including the culture around me and, um, you know, even myself, I constantly challenge myself and yep. I'm trying new things and, uh, I, I think, uh, I think it's all part of it. So that's my why.
1: Thank you so much. I knew that I would have so much fun chatting with you on the podcast. Super happy that you said yes and, and you know, took the time to, to chat and share your experiences, what you advocate for, and sharing best practices that you've found um, when it comes to building connections and building relationships. Because I think that's you know, one of the many reasons why you've been able to find and work on the things that you love. So thank you, thank you, thank you
0: oh thank you i think this is a great podcast and for anybody listening
1: follow 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 listen (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much everyone for listening to episode 18 of the power of why podcast my name is naomi haile and you just listened to priscilla cosim